Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. How's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 119. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday. I hope everybody's doing well out there. We're having a a great week over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to be joined by the great Jeff Williams who last joined us way back on episode number 21 in the summer of 2018. And we have another just fantastic conversation with Jeff. And that's coming up right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned before our message from Lost Cabos there, we're going to be joined again today by the great Jeff Williams. Uh, We were last joined by Jeff back on episode 21, and he had just put out a live record called Lifelike uh, with his group. Um, and since that time, uh, he has r- released another record. And of course, the pandemic hit during all of that. Um, and there was really no gigs to be done. Um, and he has yet another record that's going to be coming out in 2021 uh, that we're really excited about. But it, above all else, every time I speak with Jeff, I feel like I've spoken to a true drumming Zen master. Jeff just gets it. He is the consummate professional uh, and just puts out incredible music. So I know you're going to get a lot from this. So please help me welcome back to the drum shuffle, Jeff Williams. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. How's it going, man? Well, uh, hanging in there, Jamie, you know, uh, Rough times, but <laughs> yeah, man, I can't complain too much. You know, I haven't come down with the dreaded pandemic, so well, that's good. That's excellent, and, uh, actually. Yeah, but my social life, of course, is almost non-existent. Yeah, I think that's the case. I've had a couple of gigs uh, before things sort of shut down again. Yeah. And, uh, Nice to know I can still play if I have to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, isn't that the truth? Now, are you, (laughs) I I know that as we talk today, you're in New York. Are you still uh splitting time between New York and London, or have you been stateside for this whole thing? No, no, not for the whole thing. Um, I've been in New York since, I guess, about the end of June. 
Okay. Which is abnormally long for me. Yeah. Because normally uh, in September, I, I had to go back to London after spending the summer here. Sure, sure. But I, um, I don't know. I just thought it would be fun to stick around for the election. <laughs> and also because I, uh, I had some gigs, but they've been canceled in the UK. So uh, I've just gone into lockdown again over there. So Yeah. Well, and, and you know, th- obviously I, I typically work a little bit ahead. So just so everybody is aware, uh, we are recording this the day before the election. Right. Um, you know, th- this <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see, you know, but, but as you guys are listening to Jeff and I talk, you know, the outcome, we don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so this this Which should kind of be puts fun. Us, puts us on edge a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it it really does. <laughs> um, you know, I I do my best to avoid the politics on this show, but you know, I I I think at this point it's it, you know it, the the die is pretty well cast that uh, we're ready for change, and and uh, you know we'll leave it yeah. at that of any kind of any right. kind really. Um, <laughs> You know, we I, we just want our gigs back, right? I mean, isn't that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. I had a a gig that was outside here in New York and uh, socially distant, distanced, and uh, everyone wearing masks. And then after we had played, the there were a lot of people hanging out, wanting to talk, and I realized because they were all wearing masks you know, if I ever saw them again, I wouldn't recognize them. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I don't know about you, you know, you're, you're a jazz guy, obviously. So you, you probably mm-hmm. don't play at quite the volume level that I'm used to, but I'm at a point in my life now when somebody's talking to me wearing a mask, I have a hard time. I didn't realize how much, I read lips, but I do. Well, I don't know how old you are, but what happened to me was uh, my wife finally got tired of repeating things. <laughs> and and I, I was insisting that she was not enunciating. And uh, said, well, you know, you ought to have your hearing checked. And so I did. And... Now I wear hearing aids Yeah, wow. and it, it, it definitely saved our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am ra- rapidly heading in that direction, unfortunately. Well, don't, don't wait as long as I did. Yeah. I, I was actually, you know, mixing other people's records and, and didn't realize <laughs> I, was, I need more highs. <laughs> Oh, that's, so, you know, that's too yeah. good, Jeff. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it, it sounds really boxy. There's there's no high end. I wonder why. Exactly right. Get <laughs> the symbols. Where are the symbols? <laughs> that's so funny. Well, you know, it's been a while since we've chatted. You know, the last time we had you on the show was way back in June of 18, uh, on episode 21 and we were at that point you were in London when we talked and we were talking mm-hmm. about your live record called Lifelike um, that was you, you know still in its infancy but since uh-huh. that time we haven't had you back you put out a record in 2019 called Bloom that was pretty stellar as well how, how was the reaction to, to, the, to Bloom? Oh, it was very strong. Um, I was surprised because that sort of came together on a whim and we hadn't played. I had played with uh, Carmen Staff, the pianist, and just a little bit. I had just recently met her and wanted to do something with her and decided on Michael Formanak, who I've known since the 70s, and we've played a lot together <clears throat> Excuse me, over the years. And we just went in and, and recorded, um, and everything was a first take, uh, maybe one exception to that. 
So it, it was kind of magical. And that's why I called it bloom because it was, it just bloomed right you know, before our eyes, you know. And, um, got a very nice response and wonderful reviews and was featured on, uh, Fresh Air on NPR. Yeah, I saw that. I was reviewed on that. So I was very happy. And as a result, you know, I started to set up some work for us. And we had a tour of the UK scheduled for this past May. But of course, yeah. that did not happen. Yeah. And it was rescheduled for this May, but I, I don't think it's going to happen then either. So I just sort of pulled the plug on that for now, which is disappointing because we're just getting started with that. So that's, you know, that's got to be a a tough situation in that, you know, I jokingly say on the show all the time, everybody's going to have a record in 21 um, because everybody's hunkered down doing recordings right now and the live side may not come back. So I'm curious your take on this. You know, you put out a great record like Bloom, you schedule tour dates, you have to reschedule those, and then you start reading the tea leaves and say, well, we may not be able to do the rescheduled dates either. So at what point at, at what point do you say, okay, I have to put that album to bed and start on the next thing? Well, I did do that. I mean, I had another release in the pipeline. Okay. So I concentrated on that, and uh, that's coming out this month. But in, in relation to Bloom, um, well, it's, it's, you know, first of all, the, the tour that was happening in May was a sufficient amount of time since the release of the album that I, I was already a little worried about that because, you know, things are coming out every day. Yeah. So you might have a strong reaction initially and then it just gets lost in the shuffle, you know? Yeah. So I said, okay, well, this is going to work, but <clears throat> putting it off then again for another year, we need another album. Right. To rev up the interest again. Um, which I guess we can make another album, but my way of thinking, what I like to do is develop these <clears throat> these ensembles that I put together. So maybe it's fine to record initially, and then, but you want to play a lot of live gigs and develop as a, a unit before you make the next record, it seems to me. So not being able to do that, it's just, you know, I'm sure we'll play in some capacity at some point. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's not, it's not like it's completely over. But I think, you know, everything is going forward is, is going to be different. It's going to be streaming and, you know, stuff on the internet yeah well and there's already so much of that that my feeling that it's personally because i've had basically 50 years of doing this i'll let somebody else do that right now (laughs) you know right because there's so few opportunities and there's so much uh so much out there you know vying for notice that i don't know i i've come to realize really fully how blessed I've been, you know, to be able to play all these years in front of a live audience and tour and travel and so on. Um, and that's in, in teaching and uh, playing with so many young players, particularly in the UK. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to them, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's that just, really concerns me. Yeah. I, and, You know, it's kind of been a running theme um, with a lot of my guests to start out in the music business today Mm -hmm. is, I mean, you you know, it's, it's like you're trying to rebuild Rome at at this point, you know, the way that, you know, we were saying that even before this happened, right? it was, was, you know, when I came to New York to start my 
professional career in 71, uh, there weren't that many really good up-and-coming jazz drummers at that time. So I didn't face the, the, the level of competition that I would now, you know, or that a young drummer does now coming to New York, you know, especially now. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah, this is a new level of difficulty for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think that, you know, I, I jokingly say very tongue in cheek, I say mm. all the time that the good news is anybody can make a record. The bad news yeah. is anybody can make a record. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You, you know, um, yeah. and everything just seems to get lost in the shuffle. There is a, a, an ocean of new music every week, every month, every, every day, really. Every day. Yeah. And to find the gems in that is very, very difficult. So even if you put out the best record of your career next month, it may not get heard at all it's very i'm very doing good. that this month actually <laughs> so, but you you know yeah. how and I, I believe me i'm thinking about that yeah it's just so <laughs> difficult to catch anybody's attention and now you add in the fact that you can't go out and promote the record with live shows at all um mm -hmm. man that ups the degree of difficulty exponentially yes Exactly. I, I don't know what to say about all that. I mean, some some days I'm just sort of drawing a blank here. Uh, you know, what do I do next? Yeah. So I play the drums and I play the keyboard and write some new music and uh, pretend <laughs> that things are normal in that respect, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, and I'm curious, you know, your your perspective on this as well. How is it possible for us as musicians to really overthink this whole thing? I mean, you, you made a good point there. I just try to write and record the best music possible, um, you know, and, you know, damn the torpedoes, so to speak. But, you know... I guess, what is the strategy for your new record that's going to come out next month? You know, what are you thinking you're going to do to get it in the hands of the listener? Well, obviously there's a PR campaign and I've gotten already some press. Um, and then of course there's social media, which I'm pretty poor at. <laughs> not, not really too motivated to engage in, but, um, and my expectations are low, I guess, you know, I, I'm not, I, I think the main thing, and this is something that, you know, I <clears throat> worked for a while with, uh, with Paul Blay, a great jazz pianist who is no longer with us who was quite a, an interesting person, but his motto was just record as much as you can. Yeah. So it's, and I, I'm not taking it that far, but trying to get out an, something new on a yearly basis seems to me a reasonable goal, you know? Yeah. Um, to keep the momentum going, regardless of of what happens, I know I have a few people that enjoyed my work and uh, look forward to the next yeah. uh, thing that I might be doing. So at least I can uh, provide them with something. Sure. And and hopefully, you know, it, it builds. I've watched uh, my career build as a leader over the last 10 or 15 years, very slowly, but uh, it's happening, you know. And, it, you know, it depends on what you expect to, to have happen, I guess. I mean, it's, this is, the music I play will never reach a mass market, I, I know that. 
So I'm not. I'm looking for modest returns or breaking even. Uh, the main thing I've always been interested in is playing music, the act of, of making it, yeah, and being involved in it. So as long as I can do that in some way, um, I've continued to do it. Yeah. Well, I, and I think you hit the nail on the head there is, you know, just play, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think we all get so caught up or lost in the, you know, we've got to get the music into the hands of folks. And and you said, you know, my music is never going to reach a, a mass, you know, market. And, and you're in the majority, yeah, you're in the majority there because that's true. I got lots of company there. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, but in particular though, I mean the, the music that I play being somewhat demanding, uh, you know, on the listener, um, you know, to ascertain what's going on. <laughs> right, right. It, it, that's know. fair. That's fair. I, I just think you it's, know. it's um, you know, I, I get caught up, you know, and I'm not trying to project onto you, certainly, but I get caught up in, you know, um, I, I want to record as much as possible because that's what you leave behind for future mm-hmm. generations. Um, it's also how you move on. Right, exactly. You know, you document something and you can move forward then. Exactly. Uh, nobody remembers, you know, they, they don't talk about, you know, the, the you know, tour from 1989. You know, I mean, I, I guess no. maybe some people do, but, but people always point back to your records as this was a pinnacle or this was, you know, when when Jeff was in this phase or, or whatever the case may be. Sure. Yeah. That's right. So you know, I, have, I have wonderful live recordings that people don't know about. Um, <laughs> we all do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, that's funny. Well, you know, the the last one, you know, when you were on the show last, we were talking about Lifelike. That was a great record. Uh, you know, mm. I, I mean, in in terms of you know live records, it was fantastic. It was really good, and I still listen to it to this day. Um, you know, so well, that, that makes me want to ask you if, if you've heard the new record. Um, I have not heard the new record yet, and I'm sure it's not because I haven't gotten it. It's probably because I okay. haven't gotten to it. Um, you okay. know, you, you know, your publicist is very good about getting links out, and it's mm-hmm. it's probably sitting in my inbox as we speak. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I think the new record is, is a continuation. It's also live. Okay, good. And, you know, after we did Lifelike, we did a lot of touring. And with the configuration of Sextet that's on Lifelike, and on certain occasions, not everyone could make the gig. So this particular record is scaled down to a quartet, two saxophones, bass, and drums. And I think you'll you'll get a kick out of it, uh, having heard lifelike. Yeah. The the development and the cohesion and the, the risk taking and, uh, the excitement I think is several notches up from lifelike. So I'm excited about it. Well, that'll be interesting for me to hear because, you know, and I'll refresh your memory. You probably, you do a a lot of press, so you probably don't remember this conversation, but, you know, back when you were on the show last, we asked for a good piece of advice and your piece of advice, I'm paraphrasing, was don't think too much when you play. And don't think at all. (laughs) You're right. You can't think and play. Right. It's a, it's an altered state. Ideally. Yeah. I think that's what comes across on, on this, my latest recording live at London jazz festival road tales. Road tales is essentially we're expressing our experiences traveling as a band through the music. So that's why I called it that. But uh, what, what's apparent is how how quickly things can change in the music in the moment as a result of not thinking. Uh, 
and maybe it's a hard thing to grasp, but I think it's similar to meditation. It's a, it's a state where your internal dialogue is just, if not turned off, not being listened to. That you're you're so immersed in the music that you're being guided by the music itself as to what to play. And this is especially true once the, the material is really known and understood and everyone has a personal stake in it. They can... The, everyone then is able to reveal themselves yeah, musically rather than being worried about something that they're supposed to do or something they're supposed to remember, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I took that advice to heart and what, what did I, Good. I did and, and what I mm-hmm. found, you know, I, I've never been one, you know, when I go in to do a session, you know, if I'm recording a song or whatever the case may be, I've never been one to listen to, to demos or listen to a song ahead of time. I, I kind of want to be surprised, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not have a preconceived notion of what I'm going to do. But mm-hmm. I'm also, you know, known when I get into a session, I, I tend to really like first and second takes because that's, you know, typically the raw emotion of it. But I found that I overthink what am I doing? Am I playing for the song? Should I take a risk, you know, here or, but when you don't think and you just kind of, as you said, you know, just get into a, a, a the groove of the music what mm-hmm. I found was I play a whole lot better <laughs> if I'm not trying oh, yeah. to if I'm not trying to anticipate what's coming next, you know, or or plot what I'm going to do next. It just yeah, it's free. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's that aspect, and then there's also the aspect of your own uh, sort of the act of judging yourself while you're doing it, which is maybe one of the worst things you can do. You know, let's say, you know, trying something and then deciding it doesn't work and then changing and not liking that either. And, you know, um, because you're not even in a position to know what's good or what's not good in the act of doing it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the moment is gone. So whatever you did, (laughs) it's what it is. Um, But especially listening to playback in the studio. Let's say you've done a couple of takes and want to take a break and listen to what you've done. And then, oh, let's try that one again. And now you have all these things in your mind about what you didn't like about what you did or what you think you should do, right? And generally, the music suffers. Yeah, it was better the first time. Well, and, you know, I mean, by you saying that and by me understanding that and agreeing, it tells me that both of us do things in kind of an old school way, because, you know, modern popular music anyway, it's, you know, if you play the chorus right one time you know, they'll just cut that into the rest of the choruses, right? Yeah, you can loop it. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, that, you know, that's a different kind of music making, and that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, if you decide to use a recording studio in that way, or your home computer, or what have you, um, you can obviously create music that way. Um I'm more interested in, I guess, the the happy accidents that occur. Mm-hmm. You know, you think it's a mistake, but it's not a mistake if you if you're able to make something out of it. Well, I I mean, I've always said it's only a mistake if I didn't land on one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least you have to know where one is. You don't necessarily have to land on it. <laughs> if yeah, if if one is not a definitive location, then you know, I guess anything goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's 
I'm not sure I like that idea, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's always nice when everyone agrees yes. on uh, where we are. Well, it, mm-hmm. you know, I think it brings up an, an, an interesting question, and that is, you know, when you're finding younger players to play with as a leader, you know, are you looking as much at you know, how they react in the moment as to their ability of actually playing their instrument? I'm, I'm assuming so. Well, I think both are, if not equally important, pretty close to that. Um, but my selection of, of who I want to play with happens from playing with them, as it did with Carmen Staff. You know, we... We were put on a gig together. Uh, I did not know her, and we just clicked immediately. And then something happens. It's it's a visceral feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, and once I have that, then I I want that person in my band. You know, it's really that simple. Yeah. Well, I, I, and it does have to do with. I I think very much not having an agenda, you know, myself included, but the person I'm playing with, not not feeling that playing with them forces me to do a particular thing because they have something they're trying to achieve, maybe something they've practiced or... Um, what they think their style is or what have you. Yeah. So the, the more open to the actual moment the musician is, the, the more likely I'm going to uh, want to play with that person. Yeah. That, that's another, you know, great point. I think as players, as drummers, let me, let me put it that way. As drummers, I think we just know when we found the right, you know, cast, to play with, you know, I mean, I've been on gigs where I didn't know the bass player and within, you know, a half a song, it's either great or not so much. And you just, you just know, right? Oh yeah. But even, even that can say, you can sway people, you know, I, one of the things I've found in playing with people is if you really play with them and support them, they'll start to relax and other things can happen. You know, they'll listen to you. You know, I, I tell my students this as drummers, we, I probably said this on, on your last show that I did, but <laughs> as drummers, there's a tendency for us to put out a lot of information Right, because we have four limbs to do it with, yeah, and all these different things to hit, right? And so, and you know, for other people playing with us, they're not always sure what to pay attention to and what to tune out. Yeah, and so if you're able to really play to that person, and I don't mean play back to them what they just played but support them and indicate that you're hearing what they're playing. That opens up the possibility for that person to relax and, and open up more to what you're playing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, what, what strikes me about everything I've heard that, that you have put out, over the years, and I've listened to a lot of it. Uh, I have not heard the new record yet, um, but I, I will get to that. Um, and I and I want to pick your brain on that for just a second. But the thing about your playing is, it feels completely free without those preconceived notions about what everybody's going to do. So, with the new record being, you know, a, another live record. How much of the the day to day or the night to night changes? I mean, is it 
obviously you can't record every single show. Um, you know, oh, I did though. Did you? Okay. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I mean, I do. I, I kind of believe in that from the standpoint of, um, well, actually several different, you know, you may think it sounds one way and, and then you, you listen to the recording and it doesn't sound the way you thought. That is to say, certain things didn't come off. Other things did come off that you didn't think came off, you know. Um, and you're not in that environment. Maybe it's a week later or something. You sit down and listen to it. And it's also interesting to listen right after you've played. Um, but th- th- these things are informative as long as they don't make you self-conscious and as long as they don't dictate, at least not entirely, you know, changes that you want to make in the music or rearranging things. I mean, you can get ideas, but that could cause you to have an agenda the next time you play. So yeah. that's, that's a little bit tricky, but um, in playing basically the same material, uh, you know, changing things around here and there, every night is different. Yeah. And different things happen. And uh, at a certain point with a group that's been playing for a number of years, even though we have the tour was really an opportunity to play with some consistency night to night. But in general, let's say you, you have a handful of gigs in a year, even that, um, you, you know, you're building a rapport that eventually is going to bear a lot of fruit. On the, on the new record, there's a, you know, we're playing these tunes. We've been playing them. Now we're, we don't have piano, we don't have trumpet. So it's a little more streamlined and there's a one tune where something completely unexpected happens. A complete change in the groove and in the uh, time feel and so on. You know, from, from a swing feel to a straight eighth feel. But no one planned that. No one said anything to make that come about. Yet we all sort of hit it at the same moment. And those are the kinds of things that excite me. Sure. So the the new record then, is it, if you record a lot of the shows or all of the shows, are you picking songs from different nights, different, uh, you know, shows for the record, or is it all pretty consistently one show? No, it's just one show. Okay. It's, you know, I would record on my Zoom recorder uh, every show, but, the, you know, that quality is not quite suitable uh, for a commercial release. I mean, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. Depending on where I place the Zoom. Um, but <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, this was uh, recorded in a nice club called Pizza Express in London and during the London Jazz Festival. And the engineer who does the sound for that club recorded it for me and it came out sounding great. So not only does it sound great, but the music's great. So uh, that was the obvious and only real example of the whole tour that I had that I felt I could release. Okay. And what you know, is the high, high enough quality? In other words, sure. Of, of course, you know, I mean, th- there's nothing more frustrating than musically hitting on all cylinders, but then the quality of the recording isn't good enough or, you know, vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, the, the quality of the recording is great, but the band's not having a good night or whatever. Um, what is the street date for the new record road tales? It's the 20th of this month, uh, November. Okay, excellent. Well, you and I have a release on the same day. How about that? Oh, so, wow. 
So that's that's wow, pretty. We're, we're really in sick now. We we are, man. So uh, you know, that's cool. You, you, you're, you you will lap me by the end of Friday night. I guarantee it. But that's <laughs> that's okay. Um, that that the, the the world is as it should be, Jeff. <laughs> I guess so. Well, some of it is anyway. Yeah. But uh, congratulations. That's great. Yeah. We, uh, a group of guys that I've played with for years and years, we, uh, uh, during the pandemic, not much else going on. So we kind of went into the studio one at a time and put together our version of Statesboro Blues. So we're putting that out on November 20th. So we're, we're looking forward to that. We haven't released anything for many years. So we'll, we'll see uh, if, if anybody remembers us at all, but, uh, well, you know, you know we'll, that's great. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, but, see, that's an act of, of positive, sending positive energy into the world. Well, at this crucial moment. Yeah, so it's... I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah, me too. You know, it was one of those things where, um, you know, nothing else going on. Why not? You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's a motivator. Yeah. I mean, if... <laughs> yeah, but I think people spend way too much time asking why when the real question should be why not? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just think. Well, we, I, sure, I, I think about that anytime I'm doing a project. You know, do we really? Does the world really need more music? You know, but um, whether it does or not, that's what we do. Yeah, that's right. What else are we going to do? That that's exactly right. Uh, you know, and I mean, I, I did, for me, you know, I, I think it's a calling. It's not like you know. As as has been said by many musicians, when asked by a young hopeful, you know, should I do this? Look, if you can do anything else, do that. But if you really can't, if you really can't do anything else but play music, then that's it. Yeah. Well, I you know, I, I've not said- because you're going to make money, not be famous, anything, you know. But we realize it's a privilege to be able to enter that zone, a music zone, because most people don't have that. That's that's true. And, you know, I've jokingly said, I don't know how many times, you know, I would make a really bad cook. You know, nobody wants to eat my cooking. So, (laughs) you know, do do what you're good at. Right. And (laughs) yeah. I just think so many creative types get in their own way, right? They, they, they question, you know, is it good enough for me to share with the world or is, you know, I I guess people are paralyzed by the thought of rejection maybe, or or not being accepted. Um, Not everything you do is going to be perfect or great or, you know, win the internet or whatever the case may be. But if you're good at it, put it out there. Well, then we get into one's own judgment about whether it's good or not, which is probably, you know, we're our harshest critics, right? Yes. So if I'm writing a tune... At some point, I may say, "Oh, this, you know, this isn't. What is this? You know, I, you know, in relation to great music or whatever, whatever my unit of measure is, um, it's pretty easy for me to say, you know, this is not good enough, right? But the other thing is, especially uh, if I'm trying too hard to come up with something." let's say, to finish a tune or how should the bridge go or what, you know, things like that. If I'm not being patient to let it just sort of unfold. But, you know, it's, I don't know if you compose as well, but, it's you know, it's, it's like playing only slower, right? Yes. Um, but because it's slow, you have even more of an opportunity to judge what it is that essentially is coming to you musically and decide whether it's good or bad before you've even gotten anywhere with it. 
You know, in other words, is this a good idea? Is this, uh, is this anything? Rather than letting it become something. Yeah. Well, so I, I, suspending judgment all the way around is probably a good idea, and let let someone else uh, evaluate it. Yeah, and you know that's what music is—is is, you know just you know your emotion and and how you're mm-hmm. you know expressing that, and I I think that we oftentimes um, you know taste is subjective. And I think we oftentimes, you know, there are certain things that are universally accepted as good in the music world, but you can't, you can't win jazz. You can't win rock and roll. Everybody, you know, what you feel like may not be your best or may not be good enough, you know, um, to, to say that could be a song that changes everybody's life. It could be the, the next universally accepted greatest piece of, of work ever. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's the argument against abortion, yeah, essentially. Yeah. That's, that's the argument. Well, it's one argument against it. Could be the next president. Could save the world. Yeah. You don't know. I just think, so, I, I just think hmm. people should get out of their own way. And that's a way that that I will say that. Put out your art. Let others. How do you, you know? How do you do that? Man, if I knew that, I probably uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be talking to you today, Jeff. You know, I'd I'd be on tour someplace on Mars or something. I don't know. Um, You'd be on, be on Doctor Phil or something. Yeah, I could be. Um, yeah. I, I just think we you. we set up our own hurdles or our own roadblocks oftentimes as creatives. And I, I think some more than others, because I think some people are not uh, wired in, in, in the way that you're saying, or which, I think you and I are pretty similar that way. Fundamentally. Um, but, you know, so it makes me think about certain band leaders that I've known or known about over the years who, who maybe didn't play that well or were not great musicians in any way, but could get a lot of gigs and were not shy about putting themselves out there. Yeah. Um, they were not in their own way, at least in that respect. Yeah. But they were not maybe self-examining enough to produce a good result either. Yeah. That's, so I think everybody's different. That's, that's has a different combination of those elements. The main thing is to act. Mm-hmm. You know, just do it. Yep. Do something. You know, sit down and and see what happens. Pay attention. Write it down, and don't judge it. At least not right away. Yeah. At least not while it's happening. You know. Yeah, that's because that's really what prevents things from happening. Uh, to the point where you, you know people go away from music. Yeah. Which is a terrible thing. I I agree with you there wholeheartedly a, a lot of suffering you know so i can't can't take this anymore um so you, you know it's an act making music is an act it doesn't require the same level of thought although i you know i think that's true of anything let's say you're writing a book and you get hung up on one sentence you know, you don't like the way you've put it and you're trying to figure out another way. You've lost the flow of, of what you're trying to say. You know? Yeah, that's that's a great point. You, so if we can just allow ourselves to enjoy the mystery of, of making music, then 
I think I think we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you completely. Well, we're going to look forward to the new record dropping on November 20th. I'm going to encourage all of my listeners to go pick it up because I have yet to hear something from you, Jeff, that I go, yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I just, I, I have yet to hear something you've done that I, that I don't just thoroughly enjoy. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to hearing the new record and, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for your time and coming back on the show. Uh, we, we've got to do it more often. You know, every two years, is, that's too far. We, we, we need to make it that's a point right. to have you on once a year because I always I always feel better about the world of music after I talk to you. And I always feel like I learned so much. So thank you. Oh, you're very kind. Well, thank you, Jamie. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Yeah, for sure, man. And, uh, you know, we're going to send some folks your way. One last question before I let you go. Um, I, I know that you're always teaching. Um, if folks are looking to maybe do a lesson or something like that, where can they find you? What's the easiest way to contact you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm uh, really not in favor of this sort of online lesson business. Um, it doesn't work for me the way I teach anyway. I don't think. I've tried a little bit of it. Um, but my website, willfulmusic.com, you can contact me there. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ruling it out entirely, uh, the, the uh, virtual teaching idea, but um, in any case, you know, I, more and more I've come to the realization or the, not the realization because I had this before, but in, in all my years of teaching, uh, it may be that the strongest aspect of what I do is, is, is some of the things I've said to you today, uh, turning people on to themselves. You know, what do you want to play? What are you hearing? What do you like? Um, what is it you want to do? Yeah. Not necessarily, uh, you have to learn all the rudiments right now and you have to listen to all the jazz greats and all and this and that and whatever. Um, because that's, if you're not drawn to learning about all this, and you can't do it all at once anyway, but if you're not motivated to look at the sources that exist on YouTube, on record, etc., then you probably don't need to be doing this. Yeah. Most of what I learned, I learned from watching other drummers and listening to them and listening to records and immersing myself in it for many, many years before I hit the scene and, you know, studied seriously with Alan Dawson when I was 30. You know, I'd already been playing professionally for a number of years. So I think, especially now, it's, you know, what, what, what are you expecting me to teach you? I play in an old-fashioned way, you know, compared to, let's say, um, a lot of the young guys playing now, you know, playing jazz now, who maybe have come out of the church and have a completely, a, a, a totally different approach than I do, you know? a contemporary approach, you might say. Whereas I, I look at myself as I once looked at Papa Joe, you know, who I was able to spend time with and and he, he would show me things sort of not really getting it to the point where I could do it, but he would say, now you do it. And I couldn't do it. And he'd say, okay, I'll try again tomorrow. You know, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, I was very glad that I, I went to Alan 
when I did, <clears throat> uh, being mature enough to practice his material eight hours a day, every day, so that I, I could get the next installment uh, and the next lesson because he wouldn't give me the next installment unless I could play perfectly what he'd already given me. And that's the way I would prefer to teach. Yeah. You know, but I've rarely, if ever, been able to do that. Well, I, I, so, I, I think... I, I'm not opposed to it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm available for, uh, for, the, for whatever knowledge I, I can convey, you know. Sure. Happy to do it. Well, and I think the best teachers in the world maybe don't show you how to do something, but talk to you about what you've discovered on your own. You know, yeah. I, I think, yeah. I think breaking that part of it down. Okay. What you just played right there, that phrase, that passage, why did you mm -hmm. do that? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and digging into that. I think that's where the real learning happens, in my opinion. That's where the real learning happens for me, is when somebody turns it around and makes me think about what it is I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's also, you did it. It's, you know, it's your body. It's your, yourself. So it, it is turning, being turned on to yourself. But, you know, music, different styles, and so on, you know, it's, it's a language, so you have to learn the language, too. So it's, if you want to be a drummer who works, is able to cover a lot of territory, that's a lot of listening mm -hmm. that you have to do, a lot of absorption of, of all kinds of music. That's right. And then you, you find the common denominator in all of them, and you're, you're able to be adaptable. And then able to do justice to, to wherever you find yourself musically. Yeah, that's, that's more than I can do, by the way. But <laughs> me too, brother. Me it's, too. It's a, it's a lofty goal. It is. But you think about somebody like Steve Gadd or you know great studio drummers. That's that's what they had to do. But going back, that you know, to the days of stage shows and and vaudeville and what have you. Um, the drummer had to, to do all, be able to do all kinds of things, you know? And so that kind of experience, we're not getting that these days. So it's a challenge to, to pick up that information because it, as Papa Joe said, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, yeah. And we it, might think there is. But. Yeah. Well, in, in the constant bombardment, from all sides of the next great thing, right? I mean, you, you have to be able to, you know, to sort through that. And, you know, we could talk about that for another hour, probably. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but I, I just want to encourage my listeners, reach out to Jeff. He is a truly a master of our instrument, and he he's not opposed to doing a, a Skype lesson or, or some sort of virtual thing. But seriously, if you're in the New York area, it's, it's worth a drive to sit down and have a lesson with this man. So we're going to send some folks your way, Jeff. Bring your mask. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Jamie, thanks so much, man. I, I love your attitude about things and I'm so glad you do this show. Well, I appreciate you saying so, but we got to have you back soon. Um, all the best to you and Lionel. Uh, I know that uh, times are trying right now, but this will end sooner or later and uh, we'll all be back together playing our gigs and having a good time. Jeff, thank you so much, man. That's the spirit, Jimmy. You take care. All right, you too. All right, guys and girls, that is going to wrap up episode 119 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. I can't thank each and every one of you enough for tuning in. We simply cannot do this show without each and every one of you doing so each and every week. And it truly means the world to me that you do. 
along those lines, as I do each and every week, I'm going to ask you to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. Uh, it helps us more than you'll ever know uh, to continue our growth process. Leave us a star rating, a review, share a link with a friend. Uh, we really do appreciate your efforts there. It's hard for me to believe, but we have almost come to the end of 2020. Uh, therefore, I only have one more episode left this year before we take off for the Christmas holidays. Uh, I'm going to be joined next week by Jeremy Brisky of Low Boy Custom Beaters. Uh, great company. I've been using their products for quite some time, and Jeremy's just a great dude. Um, and we have a fantastic conversation about not only his company, but also about endorsements and the do's and don'ts of endorsements. And that was actually at Jeremy's recommendation. He said, somebody needs to talk about this. Uh, so that's what we do in our interview. And you're going to get that next week as the final episode of 2020. So make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss that. As always, we answer every single email that we get here at the show. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com is where you can reach us. Uh, our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. And of course, you can find more information for me over at jamieeds.com. Uh, as always, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.